And now the gems will lead us in our scripture reading for the day. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 18, 1 through 8. This can be found on page 1628 in your pew Bibles. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Gems. It's a privilege to uh, be here on Gems Sunday. And uh, you parents of Gems are blessed. We never got our girl, and I am, I am jealous. But um, we, we are just blessed with such wonderful Gems and wonderful leaders as well. So thank you. Thank you, ladies. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Do you struggle with prayer? If you do, you're not alone. Trust me. It takes hard work and perseverance to live a life of faith, to live a life of prayer. And there are many reasons we struggle with prayer, and none of them are good. None of them are great excuses. Sometimes it's physical. If you're exhausted and fall asleep during prayer like the disciples, you just might be a mother of preschoolers or a caregiver working the midnight shift. Sometimes our lack of prayer is because lack of discipline or laziness. We just don't carve out the time that it takes to pray. I remember a Keith Green song, and I'm going to date myself, from back in the 70s. One of the lines was, Jesus, he rose from the dead. You you can't even get out of bed. <laughs> they don't write songs like that today. Very convicting. Uh, sometimes we don't pray because of a false sense of independence. Uh, Lord, everything's under control right now. I'm managing. I'll call you when I need you. And sometimes we don't pray because God's timing is not our timing. And We pray for sometimes days or even weeks or even months or even years. There's some prayers I've been praying for years. And sometimes people just simply lose heart and they give up on praying. Now, if any of these describes you, then I have good news for you. The parable we're looking at this morning from the Lord Jesus is written just for you. Look at verse 1. Luke says, Jesus told his disciples a parable, and here's the purpose, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
Now normally we have to wait to the end of the parable to understand the meaning, to get the lesson. But Jesus understood his followers would struggle with prayer, especially in difficult times. And so Luke tells us right up front that Jesus was trying to tell us to pray and not give up. Now the parable is great, and it's really short but powerful and interesting. And it has these two dramatic characters that we heard about as the girls read the passage a moment ago. The first is this crooked judge. He's a bad apple. He is rotten to the core, and he's just the opposite of what the Old Testament law said a good judge should be. A good judge would be concerned about justice, wouldn't take bribes, would treat with justice people on the margins, like widows and orphans, and would judge as though he were judging for God himself. This guy's nothing like that. He's just the opposite. He's, he's selfish. He's on the take. He's taking bribes. He even admits, he says how bad he is when he says in verse 4, I don't fear God and I don't care about people. So this guy is a, is a crooked judge. And in fact, Jesus calls him an unjust judge. And sometimes this parable is called the parable of the unjust judge. That's the first character. There's a second character. She's just as tenacious, but she's the extreme opposite of this judge in a a number of ways. She is the persistent widow. Now, widows in that time were among the most vulnerable people in society. She couldn't be more opposite. He's wealthy and powerful. She's penniless and powerless. He's dead wrong, won't give justice. She's dead right. You see, somebody's trying to take advantage of her, and she goes to the judge, and she says, grant me justice against my adversary. Well, uh, she goes to the unjust judge, and uh, she asks for justice. What was the right thing for this judge to do? Well, the right thing for him to do was to grant her the justice which God demanded. God's law is clear. He is a defender of widows and orphans. He literally curses anyone who would deny them justice. But this judge doesn't care. And so he's got no sympathy, no compassion. He's just like, lady, we've all got problems. Get out of my face. I don't want to hear about yours. Well, as you can imagine, this widow becomes desperate. Her adversary wouldn't pay her. The judge wouldn't listen to her case. She's got no legal recourse. She comes up with a plan. She is tenacious. She is focused. She is persistent. She says, I'm going to go to that judge every single day and get in his face. I'm going to pull a me and my shadow routine with that judge until he gives me the justice that I deserve. Well, Jesus tells us in verses 4 and 5 what happened. He says, for some time he, the judge, refused But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. So the widow finally prevails. She wins. Why? Because the judge cared? No, 
because he just got sick and tired of being pestered, of being bothered. So what is the parable teaching? When I was a kid, I could never understand this parable. I'm like, is, is God like this unjust judge? I, I, I don't get it. Well, let me tell you what it's not teaching. It's, and this should be obvious, but it's not teaching that we have to pester God with our prayers like a child asking his mom and dad for a puppy. Please, may I have a puppy? And, you know, and, and the child thinks if we go after it long enough, God will finally give in or their parents will finally give in. That's not what the parable's teaching. So what is it teaching? Well, we know from verse 1 that it's teaching one thing, that we should pray and not give up. But there's more here, and if we unpack it, we'll see there's, there's a, a couple of really strong reasons why we should pray and not give up. And to understand what's going on, you have to understand the method of argument Jesus is using, and you'll be familiar with it. It's a study in contrasts, and it's an argument from the lesser to the greater. You've seen this before with Jesus. An example, when he preaches about worry and anxiety, he says, uh, he, he contrasts the sparrows. He says, look at the sparrows. Look, they're, they're sold for less than a penny each, but God feeds them, and he takes care of them. You're worth, contrast, sparrow, you are worth more than many many sparrows. If God takes care of the sparrows, how much more will he take care of you? Even the hairs on your head are numbered. So that's kind of the argument from the lesser to the greater. And that's what's going on in the parable of the unjust judge. So let me, let me break that down a little bit and give you two lessons. We're going to take two lessons from the parable, then a couple of practical applications, and I'm sorry, but the gems stole all my material on Acts. So thank you, girls. I can cut a few minutes out of the sermon. I'm sure people will appreciate that. Um, And we're going to make a few applications and then end with a question for you and for me. So the first lesson we're going to see here is that God is delighted to hear and answer our prayers. Pray and don't lose heart because God is delighted to hear and answer our prayers. Think about the contrast here. You've got this unjust judge. He's a man of very bad character. He's the worst judge in the land. He is against everything that God stands for. He's uncaring, he's unresponsive, and he's callous to the needs of the people. Compare him with God, the perfect and righteous judge of the entire universe. He's loving, he's fair, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's wise, he's concerned for the cares and needs of his people. And here's the argument If this worst judge in the world will listen to this widow's request just because he's tired of her coming to him, how much more, how much more will the God of the universe, the perfect judge who loves his people, listen to the pleas of his people? Now we see this in verse 6. Listen to what Jesus says. He says... Listen to what the unjust judge says. In other words, listen to what the parable teaches. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? 
I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Jesus says, God is going to hear those prayers and he's going to act quickly. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to act on our timetable. That means when he decides the time is right, he will act swiftly to execute and answer those prayers. Now, many, many scriptures affirm that God is listening to our prayers and attentive to our prayers. And my favorite comes from Peter. And you remember that great answer to prayer when Peter's locked in prison and the church is praying for him. And he's released uh, uh, miraculously and he comes and knocks on the door and the servant girl like uh, closes the door on him. She can't believe it's Peter. But listen to what he says about prayer in 1 Peter 3.12. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. God loves to hear our prayers. I remember when my kids were babies, I would sleep through the night like a rock. But if there was the slightest whisper coming out of that nursery, my wife was up and you know her ears were like tuned. And God's ears are tuned to the prayers of his people. Now, if that isn't amazing enough, um, not only is God listening to our prayers, but Proverbs 15.8 says that the prayer of the upright pleases him. Pleases him. God takes pleasure in our prayers. Just like you parents, when your child calls you, your son and daughter, no matter what age they are, whether from an infant to older, when they call you and ask your advice or ask you for help, you're, you're pleased that they love you and trust you enough to come to you. Now that won't happen during the teenage years very much. But, um, but when they're babies, you know how they react. I remember when my oldest son was just a little infant, I was trying to get him to respond to me. He hadn't talked yet. And I really wanted to just get him to smile or somehow respond to acknowledge me. And I'm holding him, and I got a little smile. It turned out to be gas. He was just, you know, just gassy. And then finally I got that first smile from him. You know when? I handed him to his mother. He looked up, saw her face, and broke a big smile. I felt completely cheated. Now, you know, now he's 26 and he's pastoring a church in Michigan and he calls me, says, Dad, here's what I'm preaching on. Uh, what do you think? How would you do this? And we, and we talk and I'll tell you, I'm pleased when he comes to me for advice. And friends, that's how, if me, fallen father, is pleased when his son comes to him, how much more God the Father who sent his only son to die for our sins? How much more is he pleased to hear the prayers of his people? Friends, we serve a heavenly Father who is full of infinite grace and mercy, a God of compassion, a Lord who hears our cries and gives us relief, a good shepherd who delights in mercy and who is rich to all who call on him. Now, let's pause a moment because I want to talk about the problem briefly of unanswered prayer. It's a reality. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered. So what's God doing? Well, the truth is, in spite of many sermons that I heard, and sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says slow, the reality is that sometimes we just don't know what God's up to. And it's in those times when we need this parable the most 
to be persistent in prayer, like that persistent widow. It's at these times that we don't know God's plan, but we do know this. We know his character. We know that he's always on the side of justice. We know that life is unfair when the wicked seem to prosper, that he is going to bring about ultimate justice. We know that he is wise in all his ways, even though we don't know maybe what he's doing in in our specific situation. We know that his plan is the best plan. It's the most perfect plan. It's the plan that's going to bring him the most glory, and it's the plan that's going to be the best for us. And even when we hurt badly, when we're down, when we're discouraged, when there are unanswered prayers, we can cast our cares, Peter says, upon him, knowing that he cares for us. We know that he is an ever-present help in trouble, as the psalmist says, Psalm 46.1, an ever-present help in trouble. So the first lesson is this, pray and don't give up. Like that widow, persist in prayer because God is delighted to hear and answer the prayers of his people. The second lesson is pray and don't lose heart or pray and don't give up because prayer is powerful and effective and God invites us to come to him 24-7. You know, the first contrast was God and the unjust judge. And the lesson is God is not like the unjust judge. The second lesson is prayer is powerful and we are not like the poor penniless widow. We're not. She had nothing except her tenacity, her perseverance, her boldness. But she had no advocate. She had no clout. She had no connections. All alone. What about us, friends? What about us? Well, I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse 7. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Do you know that you're a chosen one of God who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, no. Friends, we're not like the penniless widow. Jesus calls us his chosen ones. And every time I see something like that, I can't help but think of Ephesians. That first chapter of Ephesians where Paul lays out all the glorious riches we have in Christ Jesus. And he starts out by saying that that, um, we've been chosen in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters. He's he's sealed us with his Holy Spirit. He's redeemed us in the work of God of Christ. All these wonderful, rich blessings. Friends, we are not like that poor, penniless widow, but we need to be more like her in her persistence, in her perseverance. With no resources, she was tenacious. How much more, with all the resources God has given us, should we be tenacious in our prayer? Let me ask you a question. Does prayer change things Sometimes people think, well, if God's got it all figured out, if we've been chosen in him before the creation of the world, if, you know, predestination's true and all this stuff, why pray? Why do we need to pray? And friends, the answer is prayer does change things. Absolutely. This 
parable would make no sense if prayer didn't change things. In fact, James says in the, in the epistle of James that the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Prayer is effective. Prayer is powerful. Now, it doesn't change God. God is not up there waffling back and forth, changing his mind. He's got an eternal plan. He's got an eternal purpose. But you know what? Part of that plan is not only the ends, how it all ends up. Part of that plan is the means to the ends. And part of the means to the ends is prayer. The prayer of his people. So we get to participate in the unfolding of, of history through prayer. In God's eternal plan. It's magnificent. Prayer does change things. There's a prayer that Paul prays. He prays two prayers in the, in the epistle of Ephesians. One in chapter 1, one in chapter 3. They're both prayers for the church. And I love those prayers. And I especially love in chapter 3, one thing he prays for the church. He says, church, I am praying that you just might begin to get a small glimpse of how high and deep and wide and broad is the love of God in Christ for you. Because, friends, once you understand how much God loves you in Christ, it revolutionizes our life and it revolutionizes our prayer life. Because we realize we're not like the powerless, penniless widow. And not only that, she had no advocate. We have an advocate. Listen to Hebrews 4, 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, friends, as I think about all the prayers, I, things I've prayed for, I've had I've had times where I've been, you know, everyone has them, dry spiritually, dark nights of the soul, struggling to pray. And other times when I've had wonderful, rich answers to prayer and things that I prayed for for a long time. God performed a miracle. He found me a wife when I was a, a poor, lonely seminary student. And uh, all my friends were praying for me and I was praying for them. And I could tell you many stories there. My friend who was, was just really wanted a, a wife for ministry, and uh, he said, I'm going to go to Uzbekistan as a missionary, and, and I'm like, you're, you're going to find a wife there? <laughs> we were praying for a wife for him. He was my prayer partner, and uh, sure enough, he went to Uzbekistan, met a pastor's daughter who was on the mission field. They got married in there. They got three lovely kids today, and, but uh, God is good. You know, when we look back over our lives, every one of you could tell stories like that, of, of how God has answered your prayers. And we can also, truth be told, tell stories about times our prayers weren't answered. Three, four years ago, my sister at 53, 53 years old was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she passed away. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for her and she had a strong faith. She prayed. And I remember I went on my lunch hour one day to visit her. She handed me a, uh, a notebook and she said, I want you to take some notes. I want you to preach my funeral. I, I don't think I'm going to make it. And um, here's what I want you to preach on. And she did. She died. She passed away. But right up until the end, she had a strong faith. She would pray. And she wasn't giving up. She was just, she was just her faith was still strong. 
Their faith was still strong. So we need to learn from the persistent widow to be bold about prayer and tenacious in our prayer. Listen to what James says. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Friends, when you know that God is not like the unjust judge, but he delights to hear our prayers. And when you know that we're not penniless and powerless, but like the persistent widow, but God calls us to be persistent like her, even though we've got all these spiritual resources in Christ, then you know you can continue to pray and never lose heart, never give up. So let me, let me shift and close with uh, some application. Uh, and I love what the girls did with Acts. That's a model that I've used in my prayer life many times. Uh, I also do things like I pray the Lord's Prayer, but not in a rote, repetitious way, but in, in making it more personal. Uh, but the same, the concepts, the thoughts. But how do we apply this parable? A couple of things. One, develop a habit and a pattern of daily prayer. I know some of you have tried that and you've given up. Try again. Try again. Pick it up again. Get a journal, just a blank notebook. Just try it won't be perfect. You'll have some misses. But pray. Pray and don't give up. You are missing out. You are missing out. And prayer is powerful and effective. Pray. Pray for your daily bread. Pray for your daily needs, your struggles, your battle with sin. Pray uh, to build habits of holiness. Pray. Second thing, develop a habit of family prayer. Now, i got to be honest I always heard about these families that had these big, deep, rich devotional times, right? At the dinner table, they'd study Romans, you know, one, and uh, predestination, and praying, and uh, we, we weren't like that, right? I was, I, was, I was fighting it out in corporate America every day, you know, coming home exhausted, and, you know, uh, and, but one thing we did was every night, we would read to our children, and we would pray with our children. So last week I go home from church and I turn on uh, Facebook to listen to my son preach a sermon. And he says, you know, he's talking about prayer. And he says, one thing that I remember when my parents were, when we were growing up was, was every night we'd pray together and we'd, you know, either read the Bible or read stories. And he says, even to this day, I can't go to sleep without praying and having a time of prayer. And I thought, (laughs) Uh, so actually uh, yeah pray with your kids teach them send them to gems what a rich you know look at what these girls have learned look at the spirituality god is developing in them send them to to cadets in, in in gems corporate prayer in the body of christ look make time for prayer in your small groups. Make time for prayer. We make time for prayer in the, in the council meetings, in the uh, deacon and elder meetings, in, in the various meetings and committees of the church. We make time for prayer, and, and uh, we need to do the same. Um, but maybe the, maybe the most direct application of this parable is to pray for God's kingdom to come and for the people of God to get the justice 
that some of them long for and need. Of all the cries that go up to the Lord day and night, perhaps the most urgent are those for the persecuted church. And friends, there is a persecuted church out there today. I know there was a long time ago. I just read a story of a guy named Polycarp. That name means much fruit, Polycarp. He was brought to the Lord by the Apostle John. When John was an old man, he knew John, and John anointed him the Bishop of Smyrna in Asia Minor. And when Rome was saying, you have to burn incense and declare Caesar is Lord, Polycarp at 85 years old said, not going to do it. So sorry, no way. My Lord's been good to me all these years. I see no reason to deny him now. And they said, Polycarp, you're being stupid. Uh, deny, uh, burn the incense to, the, to Caesar or you're, you're, you're going to die. He said, no, not going to do it. And they killed him. They tied him to a stake. They burned him. When the fire didn't consume all his body, they thrust a dagger into him. And, uh, and the whole church was praying for him. And, and he prayed. He gave a farewell prayer. And this is what he prayed. He said, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour so that in the company of the martyrs I may share the cup of Christ. Friends, that's how you pray and never give up. That's how you pray and never lose heart. Oh, may I be like our Lord Jesus, and may I be like Polycarp uh, and others. Um, So let me close with a question, because Jesus closes with a question, and here it is. In verse 8, he asks this question, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now, that's an odd question to ask. Well, he's, of course he's going to find faith on earth. He's going to always have his polycarps and his remnant. But the real question he's asking is, when he comes, is he going to find us in a posture of prayer? Is he going to find faith in Rick Britton? Staying faithful to the end as I wait for the return of Christ. Is he going to find you faithful and in prayer? Is he going to find BCRC faithful in prayer? And friend, that is the question, and that is the challenge that is left to us by the parable of the persistent widow. Pray and never give up. Amen. Uh, at this time, uh, we're going to have a closing prayer, and then we're going to have a closing song, a, a responsive song, The Goodness of God. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful parable. Jesus, thank you for giving it to us, and may your spirit apply it to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.